Well, morning. Um, as Nick said, um, back at, I think it was the end of February, we had a two-week series called Joining with the Father. Um, and next week, we are going to be um, inviting you to, to give towards just what we feel the Lord's put on our hearts. And um, Nick mentioned this little booklet. There should be some hanging around. Um, and in it, we talk about four C's that we feel really kind of the Lord has impressed upon our hearts. Um, but more than that, where we've seen him at work within our kind of family, within our community, um, within the church. And that's in areas of compassion, children, so children's ministry and all the connections we're having in and around with young people. Creativity, you know, just so much creativity is being birthed in the church. And community, that we want to be a church that is a community, but also we want to build community beyond the church as well. And um, so these are the areas we just feel the Lord is inviting us to join in with. Um, and as Nick said, there's going to be more information coming out. You can find more information on the website. We're really encouraged to join in with the times of prayer. You know, we really believe that we, we need to commit this season in prayer to the Lord. It's such an important part of, of who we are. So find more information about that. I think it's already come out, but I'm sure we'll be reminding you about it. Um, and, you know, we, we just really want to press into what the Lord is doing um, in what is very strange and challenging times. But over the last couple of weeks, I, I always planned it to be a two-week um, series, but um, the Lord has just been putting on my heart a third talk, something that's really important, kind of really foundational to who we are. And, um, and so today, I'm kind of, you've got a bonus part three of a join-in with the Father. Well, you might not think it's a bonus by the time you've heard it, but I think it's a bonus. Um, and um, I just really felt for the last couple of weeks, and as a team as well as we've been discussing things, that we need to really press into some, an, a third part of this, of joining in with the Father. You know, I do believe we are entering a new season, um, a new chapter, you know, we hear all this often, but, but I really do believe that is actually, this is a new season, a new chapter, not just here at Life Vineyard, but actually in our movement, the Vineyard movement, but also in the church in the West. I think there's a, a real sense that God is doing something new. You see, the pandemic uh, and now war has shaken our very foundations as followers of Jesus. As churches, um, you know, churches are just communities of followers of Jesus doing life together. Um, you know, it, it's just a strange time, a difficult time, an unsettling time uncertain you know, and we need to face the reality that as we've emerged from the pandemic that is still around it's not gone, it's still there the UK church looks a little different many followers of Jesus have drifted, even decided that church family and faith isn't for them I read somewhere that potentially one million Christians are yet to return to in-person services now some of those are still shielding and protecting themselves, which is understandable, but, but a lot have just decided to drift. And that is such a shame. But it would be so easy for us to think, well, you know, kind of, not panic, but, you know, just feel that the church is kind of going into a, a season of, of, of difficulty. But I actually really, really don't believe that is where we're entering. 
I don't believe that we're entering a season, I think we're entering a season of fruitfulness, of multiplication. And I'm going to explain why I feel that is. I really do believe that this shaking, this sort of kind of reforming, is about Jesus wanting his church to be all that she can be. I really believe that's what he wants now. And he wants to unleash even more than we've seen before across our region and beyond through this church. And that's true of all the other churches too. Um, Back at the start of the pandemic, there was a prophetic word, a theme that was just being stirred in lots of people's hearts. And um, that prophetic word was reset. You know, it was just all over the place. I was hearing people talking about reset or... I just feel it's really important for this season, this word reset. Um, Back in the summer last year, um, Nicola and I upgraded our phones. And the last thing you do when you upgrade your phone, you transfer all the data and you reset it to factory setting. Um, It goes back to the way the designers, the creators wanted um, their phone to be. You know, nothing else is on it. It's just factory settings reset. And reset is different from new. You see, new is kind of something that's not been before, but reset takes it back to the way it was meant to be. And God is always doing something new. You know, he's always doing new things. That's that's a given. But for some things, like Jesus' church and mission, it is actually ancient. It's actually ancient, and we need to reset We need to ensure the church in the 21st century looks like the church Jesus intended. You know, his ways are ancient. His plans have never changed. His values, truth, power, and authority are the same today as they were at creation, as they were when he hung on the cross, as as they were at the resurrection, and as they were at the birth of the church nearly 2,000 years ago. You know, over the last few years, we as a community um, have received a number of prophetic words about digging ancient wells. If you've heard the first two or three talks in the re- when Revive was launched, what, probably 18 months ago now, um, Tom talks about this in those talks, from what I remember. You know, but this idea that of ancient wells, things that were before, that have somehow been forgotten, will be redug, rediscovered has been spoken over this church on a number of occasions. Um, Tom White, who's um, assistant pastor and is currently at Tom, hope your headache's okay, um, are, um, he, he wrote an amazing kind of poem, litany, kind of piece of writing called um, The Rebuilders, and it's based on Isaiah 58. And this is what he wrote. You'll see our past to build our, sorry, you'll use our past to build our future, re-establish ancient foundations. We will re-dig wells and let the water flow. This has been a theme that has been on our hearts as a church. And we've been like weighing it, kind of mulling it over, thinking, what does that mean? And and today's talk is, is one that I just get a really strong sense that it's crucial for this new season, the new season that we are entering. But to engage with the new, we have to engage with the old, with the ancient. You know, we need to join 
with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as a community of Jesus followers so that we can be rebuilders. We need to rediscover, to redig, to, to reset the ancient to step in to our future. So today, we're going to look back to our history, to our story, our heritage, and our inheritance. You know, we will discover our future as we, you know, our future and the things that he, God wants us to do will be unleashed because of who we are and what we carry. So I'm going to quickly pray, and then we're going to have a think around that. So Father, I thank you so much for our story. I thank you so much for our history, not just as a church, but as a movement, but also as your church, your, your body that is, in, you know, that is spread into every corner of society, of every corner of the world. I thank you for our inheritance, Lord, and I pray today we might glimpse something of what you have given to us and what you have for us in this new season. Lord, bless us. Holy Spirit, would you just fall in this place? You are so welcome here. We come because of you. We gather because of you. And we gather here to worship you and to meet with you. So let my words be of encouragement and be honoring and glorifying to you. Amen. Okay. Over the years, I have come across so many people who have said something along the lines of, the vineyard has made such a difference to my life. You know, I remember going to a Wimber conference. So many people have said that to me. You know, signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, they remember being completely overwhelmed and transformed by the Holy Spirit in worship, in, in gathered environments. I love the vineyard stories. You know, one of my favorites is the tenacity of John Wimber and the Anaheim Vineyard Church in the early days of the vineyard. Um, and... Um, they were praying for healing. And for six months, and hundreds of people, they prayed and saw nothing. And, then one, and the church halved in size. Can you imagine that? You know, that? As a church leader, you're like, wow, okay, maybe we should change our tactics or our strategies. But no, they knew that this is what the Lord had for them to do. So they pressed in, pressed in, and pressed in. And then, boom, one day somebody was healed. And the floodgates of heaven was opened. And just healings and healing signs, wonders and miracles became a hallmark of the vineyard. I just love it. I love our stories. And the vineyard brought renewal. You know, it was, there was a fresh move of the this Holy Spirit in the West. Signs, wonders and miracles once again were beginning to become the expectation of the church. Incredible ministries like New Wine was just encouraged and supported by John Wimber to, and David encouraged David Pitchers to start it. And now, if you know New Wine, it's thousands upon thousands of people get impacted through that. And, you know, healing on the streets now is in all manner of countries all over the place. You know, things like Jesus at the Door, which is an amazing evangelistic ministry, or, or the Miracle Question, which I haven't got time to explain. It sounds a bit odd, but it's just an incredible ministry of evangelism. So many, Grow Baby, all sorts of things that have been birthed out of this movement called the Vineyard. And all over the world, I think it's 90 countries or something like that, if I remember right, there are vineyard churches meeting the needs of those people in pain, hurting, 
and just caring for them. You know, this is our story. This is our heritage. This is our, who we are. Just amazing. A guy called Jay Pathak, who is the national director of the U.S. Vineyards, um, was interviewing a guy called Ted, sorry, Todd Bolsinger. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Anyway, Jay asked this Todd guy um, what he thought was the hallmark of the vineyard. And he answered this. It is the immediacy of the Holy Spirit. It's the immediacy of the Holy Spirit. He said, no matter what, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, no matter where you are or what you're doing, you believe that the Holy Spirit is at work and can and will impact our life and the lives of others now, in the moment, immediately. You know, there were many reasons why Nicola and I moved from Newcastle to Nottingham to join Trent Vineyard. But one of them was this desire to be around people who believed that, who believed that in gathered environments, as we were out and about as scattered servants, the Holy Spirit would be at work in the moment, in the immediate, and that we could expect it and see amazing things as the Holy Spirit met with people. And then we have worship. You know, I love our worship. You know, it, it's special. It's, no, it, it's special to us. I mean, there's loads of different styles, and we want to honor all of those, but, but it's really precious. You know, intimacy, accessibility, integrity, kingdom expectation, and passion. They're our worship values that our worship team take on board and try and bring to us every Sunday in our gathered environments. You know, when we come to worship, we don't come with hype. We come with ourselves. We come with our whole life. And that is enough. That is enough. And it's in that place, in that posture, that we encounter Jesus. You know, this is our history. It's our inheritance. You know, it's wonderful. It's inspiring. But the question I've asked myself is, is this just our history? Is it just our history? Well, no, it's not. It is our inheritance. And I believe, you know, sometimes it's so tempting, isn't it, to look back at the past and look almost with envious eyes and think, oh, I just wish I was there when all of these things were happening, you know, in the early days. Wouldn't it be amazing to have been there when they prayed for that first person to, and they saw that person healed? And, you know, and we can look back. And it's important to look back at the stories of what God has birthed. But actually, I believe that, that, that there is more. That God has got more. That actually, what we see in the past is a foretaste of what God wants to do next. That from our past, he will build our future, is what Tom wrote. And I think that is such a prophetic word for us as a church. I really do believe he's going to release something new in our midst and in our movement in this church. You see, our history is also our, our inheritance. Proverbs 13, 22 says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. You know, and we're now seeing third and fourth generation vineyard churches popping up all over the place. You know, and that inheritance of, is ours to take hold of and to run with. You know, it's important to say that this inheritance is not just for the vineyard. You know, it's really special to us. It's part of who we are. It's how we were 
were birthed as a movement of churches who love Jesus and want to do what he is doing. It's part of our DNA, our story, but it's ultimately because we are co-heirs with Christ. That's why we have this stuff. Romans 8 says this, For those who are led by the, ho- by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And to him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if you are children, then we are, then now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You know, when we look back in history, we see glimpses, a foretaste of what is available today. The inheritance that we have is because of our identity. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are sons and daughters of heaven when we put our trust in Jesus. But I also think our history is not all that God has promised us. I believe that, that when we look back, we see something of what God, but there's so much more that he wants to unleash in our midst. See, the stories we tell, the testimonies we hear, even the visions we cast, do not scratch the surface of what Jesus wants to do in and through his church. You know, what is possible when the presence and power of the Holy Spirit moves and touches the church and people's lives is far more than I think we can ask or imagine. I believe that our history, our inheritance, is to be a people who see what the Father is doing and join in. People who steward and partner the Holy Spirit to see signs, wonders and miracles unleashed in our gathered environments. Like, you know, like this one. And as scattered servants as we go about our Mondays to Saturdays, our everyday ordinary And we see this, don't we, from the birth of the church. You know, I love the story of the birth of the church. I'm a bit of a kind of, I like new things. Um, I like to start stuff. So the birth of something new is always quite exciting to read. And I love the birth of the church. You know, Jesus trained and equipped the apostles across his life and ministry to do the stuff. He modeled what was available as heaven invades earth. We read in Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. You know, these, these disciples then were, were watching on, thinking, wow, this is amazing. We've never seen anything like this before. However, it was never just about Jesus doing the stuff. No, his, his plan was to birth the church and empower the church to do the same, to do greater things. So he sent out the disciples who were amazed at what they saw. Matthew 10, verse 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He then sends out the 72 to do the same. And the 72 come back, and this is what they say. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. This was their story. And this is what we have available now. This is our inheritance as sons and daughters, as Jesus' church, as the vineyard. 
This is our story. And this is our future. You know, we have authority. We have power to heal the sick, to cast out the demonic, to set people free, to seek and save the lost, to preach the gospel, and to, in, and to introduce people to Jesus. You know, we are to carry on the mission of Jesus. You know, Jesus started his ministry in the temple. And he read from the prophet Isaiah, and we read it in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim a year of the Lord's favor. See, this is our inheritance as co-heirs with Christ. And this is our future, to usher in the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus. It's who we are. It's what we were made for. It's why the church was birthed. So what does this mean for us today? You know, as we step into this new season, well, firstly, we need to, to steward and invest the immediacy of the Spirit. You know, we need to steward and invest the power and presence of the Holy Spirit as we gather together. No, this was the gift Jesus gave the church, and we need to reset our expectations. Let's just have a quick reminder of Pentecost. I love the story of Pentecost. So the apostles and the followers of Jesus were gathered, 120 of them, praying and waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then we read this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What an amazing moment in the history of the church. But what an amazing moment for the whole of mankind. Now, in this moment, human beings became the temple. Human beings became the vessels in which the presence of God dwelt. Human beings were filled with the Holy Spirit and moved powerfully you know, to demonstrate the kingdom. You know, the Spirit moved powerfully in them and through them. And we saw that straight away, 3,000 people came to know Jesus after Peter's first preach. Amazing. The floodgates of God's presence was opened the moment the Spirit was released on that very first Pentecost. Jesus had told the apostles to wait. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes. That's what Jesus said. When the Holy Spirit comes... This was to be a future moment as we read it, you know. And then they would become the empowered church, demonstrating and communicating the kingdom across the world. You know, church, we need to pray. This week, there's opportunities to pray. On Saturdays at 7.30, we have opportunities to pray for Ukraine. We need to pray. We need to be better at praying. Sorry? Oh, and Monday morning press. 
Yeah, Monday morning, 7 o'clock. So tomorrow morning at 7, we will be praying. We will be praying. We need to be better at praying. We need to learn to fast. But here's the thing. We no longer have to wait. We no longer have to wait. The Holy Spirit has already been sent. And his presence is in us and is moving all around us. We can now expect the immediacy of the Holy Spirit. We can pray, come Holy Spirit, with the expectation that the Holy Spirit is actually already at work. He's already at work. We can ask for more in the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is working and always wants to do more. Always wants to do more. The curtain has been torn in too. Nothing separates us from the presence of the Holy Spirit, from the presence of God. We no longer have to wait for the power of the Spirit to be manifest as we gather together. You know, this is so important in moments like this. As we come on a Sunday, as we come to worship, we come with an expectation of the Holy Spirit moving in our midst. You know, we come because we expect people to be healed for the prophetic words to be shared, for the demonic influences to be sent packing. We can expect a tangible and powerful sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is our inheritance. That is who we are. Not just because we are a vineyard church that was born in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, but actually because we are the church and it's the way Jesus designed us to be. It is immediate. No, it is instant. It's constant. He never stops working. But we need to invest. We need to steward. We need to be expectant. We need to invite. We need to be bold. We need to join in with what the Father, Spirit, and Son is doing. I heard an amazing story from that interview between Jay and Todd um, about the early days of Anaheim Vineyard Church. And um, I, I couldn't make out whether it was a conference or just a normal Sunday service. But anyway, it doesn't greatly matter. But he pulled in to the car park, this Todd guy, and he said he was watching people run from their cars into the building. They were running from all over the car park. And um, uh, he just said, I've never seen it before or since. You know, people running to get into the space, to get into the building. Now, why were they running? Why were they running? Well, they didn't want to miss anything. So confident were they in the immediacy of the Holy Spirit's ministry, the power and the presence of God in their gathered environments, that just the thought that they might be a few seconds late meant they might miss somebody getting healed or some incredible prophetic word. They had an expectation, and so they ran from their cars. How amazing is that? And when we think about it, they were running to be in the presence of the living God. It's, you know, it's not a surprise. The surprise is that we don't run into gathered environments all of the time because we're running into a place where the presence of God dwells. We get to be around people who are full of the Holy Spirit. We get to minister to each other and see the power and the presence of God at work in the lives of those all around us. So challenging. So challenging. It's particularly challenging because we've done church at home for about two years. 
You know, it, we've fallen out of a habit. This is why we should never fall out of a habit of being in person. Because it's when we gather, we get to lay hands on each other, we get to minister to each other, and we get to see so much of the power and presence of God in our midst. It's challenging. You know, do we run? Have we ever run to a gathered environment in the expectation of what God is going to do? Because we dare not miss anything. That's challenging. I've never run. You know, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. The past, our history, the ancient, all of that is the same. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. Nothing has changed. We should be running into his presence, expectant. You know, the challenge today is that God is at his work. He's inviting us to join in with what he is doing. But do we have an expectation that we can do that, that we will see what he's promised? You know, do we come hungry? Not for a donut, although they are nice. Um, not for a nice coffee or, or, or a, a nice bit of fellowship or to have a, an hour and a half away from our children. You know, it's not that. You know, we, this is not it. We come hungry for God. If we are as a church going to see what God has for us, see everything he's promised, we need to learn to be hungry again, desperate, running into Daring not to miss anything. Daring, God, God, oh Lord, we just need you more and more. You know, we need this to be our hearts. A hunger for him and a hunger for his power and his presence. You know, when we um, came to plant Life in Yards um, back in the day, 15 and a half years ago, it's crazy. Um, we came not because we knew what we were doing came because we knew God knew what he was doing. We came because we knew God had the power to build and to shape and to transform and to change. And you know, this is what I'm saying. What we had at the beginning, what was the history and the story of the vineyard, what's always been the history and the story of the church needs to be our story today. It needs to be our future. If we're going to see what God wants to do in our world, in a crazy world with so many uncertainties, so many things that we just do not know what tomorrow brings. But we do know the power and the presence of the Lord. And that if we trust him and if we expectantly join in with what he's doing, then lives will be changed. Eternal destinies will be turned around. People who are going in one direction will be turned around and find themselves running after Jesus. But we need his power and we need his presence. We need a reset moment when we reset to factory settings the way the church was designed to be. That wasn't in my talk. <laughs> um, you know, this is a reset moment. But here's the thing. I can talk about this all day long. I could go on. But I'm not. Because actually, I think sometimes we fill the space with our own words with our own songs. But actually, it's now time for the Holy Spirit 
to come and meet with us. So we're going to give God the space. Not that he needs our permission, but we want, we want to just tell him now, just in case we haven't already, that we need him. We need him. We need his power. We need his presence. We need the peace of heaven. We need the security in knowing that God is who he says he is. Some of us need physical healing. Some of us need to be set free from all sorts of worries and concerns, even demonic influence. We need prophetic words that are going to set us on new trajectories, that are going to speak into our hurts and pains. We just need an infilling of the Holy Spirit to, to empower us, to strengthen us. We need, some, we need it to be weekly. You know, every week, well, not every week, thankfully, because it costs so much money, I take my car to fill it with fuel. We need to be filled every week. That's why, one of the reasons why we gather, to be refreshed, to be refilled, so that we can live the life that God intends us to live. So we're going to minister to each other now. And then we're going to worship, and then we'll do some more ministry. So I really want to encourage you just to settle yourselves where you are. Just settle yourselves. Put aside all of the distractions that you've come with. All of the sort of worries and concerns. We have a, a worrisome world at the moment, but let's just put that aside. And let's just turn our attention to Jesus. He is king. And Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit. And you will be. Well, he has sent his Holy Spirit, and we are the church that he intended. So just, just open yourselves up to the Lord. And I'm just going to pray a prayer that actually was the prayer that for the birth of the vineyard. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.